Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello and uh, welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Uh, It is the very special Monday pickups edition. It is also the first episode of the Justin Fields era. That was everything I wanted it to be. Um, Andy Barron's here in your ears on a Monday morning. I am joined by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Fields, what, six completions, nine sacks? That sounds about uh, sounds about right. You know, that's the magical ratio that they always talk about in the NFL, the, the sack to completion ratio. And you can't, you can't do much better than that, I feel. How I know that <laughs> Alan Robinson has shown an ability to be completely it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, right? He's gonna be good. But and, and it's it's Fields' first start. What makes me nervous is that I mean the Browns have a good defense. I don't think the Browns have been compared to the eighty five Bears or the you know two thousand one Ravens anytime recently. Um is Alan Robinson a wide receiver three now? Yeah, it's a really it's a really good question. And I was I was trying to I was trying to swat away uh, people who were raising it on on Twitter to me uh, on Sunday, in part because I just didn't need to hear any more Bears criticism. And I'm not ready to process the possibility that Al Robinson isn't startable. Um, I, I mean, I think you have to just dig in and whoever is at quarterback for the Bears in week four uh, against Detroit. Like, what are we going to do? Sit Allen Robinson yeah, against, against Detroit? Detroit? Is that a real thing? That's not going to happen. Like, I don't even know how much to put on field. I'm sorry. This is supposed to be a pickups pod and we're going to talk about other things. But we're also going to use a few minutes here just to let me process because I, I went on Fantasy Football Live wearing a Justin Fields shirt. Like, I am I was oh, ready. Wow. You know, Greg, like I thought, Greg, I don't know how much of the game you saw. I don't know if it was your primary game, anything like that. But Greg Olson was in the booth and he was really good. Like, he of course he pointed out the the few moments where Justin Fields had something that was that was available to him downfield. Olsen found them all and pointed them out. And so it I'm nobody's going to try to pretend that it was a clean game for for Fields or that it was it was anything there was anything there that you can really hang your hat on, but I will say that Miles Garrett it, it was as if they they didn't game plan for him at all. It was as if they didn't know he was going to be there. That they, they didn't chip. Um they didn't do anything to help uh Peters who who looked like just a big oak tree in a bear's uniform, right? And Garrett just went right around him repeatedly, unobstructed to the quarterback. That happened all day. Um, I think I saw that Justin Fields had an average time to throw of less than a second. So I don't, 
like I don't want to pretend that he had any any kind of chance. Um, uh, it, like may, maybe it's even a good sign that he didn't turn the ball over despite the the massive pressure that he was under. I don't know that there's many quarterbacks that would have made anything out of that, given the game plan that they that they entered the day with. Like, what are the things that you do when you can't keep a pass rush off a quarterback? Right. Did they go to the screen game? No. It appears that there's not even a screen in the playbook. Um, Did they did they run the Mitch Trubisky offense where they would roll them out and, and cut down the field for him? No, they didn't. They didn't do anything interesting with Justin Fields. It was as if it was a game plan designed for Andy Dalton. Um, that they were just shoehorning fields into. And it, it obviously it wasn't great. He wasn't great. The line was terrible. The line was an absolute embarrassment. And the, the play calling was, uh, I, I don't even know what to compare it to. Like, I feel like the team should be relegated. I don't know where to relegate them, but I feel like they should be relegated coming off that game. Uh, good. You said the right two words earlier and before you started kind of going off the rails there. <laughs> versus, versus Detroit in week four. And what what have we seen from Detroit? The Niners did whatever they wanted in week one. The Packers did whatever they wanted in week two. And Hollywood Brown was ready to erase the record book yeah. if uh, he could only catch the ball. I, I mean, I think he dropped three potential touchdowns, two, two sure touchdowns. And then one of them, which I think would have been a touchdown and wide open, it seemed like, on every one of those plays. So uh, I would think Darnell Mooney's going to be open. Allen Robinson's going to be open. And, and reps help. So you you know the the whole idea is that you're never as bad as you are as you look in your in your bad day and you're you're never as good as you look on your yeah. great day. I mean look look at some of the teams that have ping pong for us, right? I mean Green Bay looked like they just met five minutes before the opener. They looked terrible, and then that Saints team looked looked horrible the next week against Carolina. Somehow the Steelers beat the Bills in Week One. That they've done pretty much nothing right since then. Um, so you know, the NFL. How did that happen? Wow! Like, yeah, that happened, right? The Steelers beat the Bills. That is a real did. thing that happened in 2021. Oh my God! Um, I've I've been so scarred by everything the Bears did yesterday that I had I had let that slip my mind. I'm convinced that the 44 year old quarterback in the NFL is Ben Roethlisberger. He just looks. <laughs> and, and, and look, it happens to everybody, right? And you get older, you get slower. Your arm isn't as strong, and you, you're just not as spry. And and I took the 19 target. Let's just have a moment. I know it's a pickup spot. We'll get into it in a second. But let's just have a moment to appreciate that a running back at 19 targets in a game. Yeah. And, and Najee Harris is a good player. I've never thought he was Marshall Falk, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you know, uh, just one of these special receiving talent. He's somebody who can catch the ball. The fact that Pittsburgh felt the need to throw him the ball 19 times. And I know, look, they were without Deontay Johnson and Juju got hurt in that game. So part of it was out of necessity. But this Pittsburgh offense and, and just team in general, you take out TJ Watt, the defense just you know looks okay, but it, it's not the same without Watt in there. I think we're finally, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, season in Pittsburgh. I think we're upon it. Yeah. If they, if they can even finish, if they can land this plane at 500, that seems like it would be quite an achievement because Roethlisberger, uh, we knew his limitations going in. And then with the injury that it's a pectoral injury, right. Um, right. that was obviously limiting him beyond, uh, his already limited state. Um, super ugly, really, really ugly. I'd love to see them go 500 in a 17 game season too. Cause that would mean they'd have to get a tie in there. <laughs> it's true. I, it's true. I, it's I true. actually like everybody. Eight, else eight eight ties. Is, is I, I like when a team has the tie and you know, now the tiebreakers don't apply to them because they're, they're, they're not going to finish with a tie with somebody else. It just screws up the, the standings page looks strange and, I don't know. I, I kind of have a soft spot for the for the tie. All right, people, we're going to get into the pickups in a second because I can't spend another moment on the Bears. But first, 
if your Yahoo fantasy football team needs a little help after week three, some of mine do, honestly, uh, and you're looking for an edge, you need Yahoo Fantasy Plus. We got a trade hub. We got a research assistant. We got cheat sheets. We got all sorts of deeper extra features on top of the Yahoo Fantasy you already know and love, plus a weekly newsletter that is lovingly crafted by uh, myself uh, to help you, the uh, the reader. Uh, after all, we're, we're in this damn thing together. So get your free trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Uh, what else do we need to get into? Do we need to discuss the big Dan Arnold trade? No? Yes? How are you feeling about that? I have no opinion about it. Um, in some deeper leagues, I had some hope for Dan Arnold. You know, two tight end leagues, um, you know, formats where, where tight ends get premium scoring and I guess that's dead. We'll see if Trevor Lawrence can get him going. You know, Trevor Lawrence led the league into week three in off throw percentage. And I didn't see a lot of on throw, on throws, on, on uh, the mark percentage uh, throws from, I'm not saying it very well, but I didn't, I didn't see a lot of good things from the Jaguars. So I don't know, maybe, maybe they can get him going. It's always, you know, the NFL makes so few in-season trades. that It's just nice when right. they give us anything. I, I don't care. Teams could swap kickers or, you know, it, it, whatever. It's just exciting to see players go somewhere else i do like this carolina team though um they played on thursday there isn't and i guess we're going to talk about one of their players because there was a big piece of news out of carolina but they've drafted for defense and fixed their defense they have all sorts of exciting skilled talent even with one of them you're going to be on the shelf for a while i think carolina is a playoff team in, in 2021 that is something i'm excited to talk about yeah that is uh that is actually a really good segue into the pickups because i feel like there is a singular dominant um people are going to have to decide whether they push their chips in uh, on this one or not um there's like one guy that we need to talk about and then there's a bunch of you know sort of uh decorative pieces for the <laughs> for the pickups podcast but we need to talk about chuba hubbard who is who is the clear backup to christian mccaffrey who we know is going to miss several weeks um i can't put a finer point on that but it's it's clearly going to be multiple weeks it was a hamstring injury that in the moment looked bad, right? He pulled up right away, went to the tent and then spent, I don't know, the better part of the game in the tent, it felt like. Um, so that was rough. Uh, hate to see it with McCaffrey, obviously a wonderful player. And I don't, in fact, let's just talk about Chuba Hubbard separate from the rest of the, like I'm going to throw out some other running back pickups and we can prioritize them. But I I assume that you, like everybody else, would have Hubbard at the, at the top of all these lists. Um, I thought he looked good, it wasn't uh, it wasn't exactly a clinic. Um, left some points out there, I think. But, you know, we can't hold them to the McCaffrey standard because nobody can meet that. He is a player who had one monstrous collegiate season in 2019, over 2,000 rushing yards. Perhaps it was even too much work for him because he he had groin surgery coming off that season. He had a high ankle sprain the next year. Wasn't wasn't the same guy in 2020. Looked, you know, plenty frisky in preseason. Perhaps some of the speed that he had in 2019 might not might not be there. I don't know. He doesn't necessarily look like a rocket to me. Uh, he doesn't. It doesn't always necessarily match the scouting reports uh, on Hubbard. But I thought I thought he showed enough. Um, and he played probably. I, I guess I'd call it about 70 percent of the snaps. Royce Freeman playing behind him was just kind of a rumor in that thing. So, how do you feel about Hubbard? I assume that he is your priority at running back. He is. I feel like we've seen a version of this last year where Mike Davis, albeit at a different point in his career, you know, journeyman, well-traveled, 
Uh, he came in for McCaffrey, and, and what was he, 70, 80, 75% of McCaffrey, in part because the yep. usage was as exclusive for Davis. And here, here's the thing, right? So McCaffrey, and, and we have to keep in mind that when an injury happens mid-game, what a team does after that point in that game does not always reflect how they may go forward when they have time to game plan, to run reps, and to reevaluate how the offense needs to change. That said, we do at least have to be mindful of what happened after McCaffrey got out. So in this game Thursday, Hubbard had 11 carries, Freeman had five. Hubbard had three catches and five targets. Uh, Freeman caught his only target. That target column is is really what I'm looking for here because that means that Chubba Hubbard should be game if he's indeed the starter, assuming Royce Freeman doesn't have the practice week of his life, that Hubbard should have 12 to 15 touches coming off the bus against everybody. Yep. And if game and game flow, if game script is favorable, he could maybe get up to 20. Uh, there's a great story about Hubbard. One of the reasons they drafted him is that Matt Rule's wife had been impressed with Hubbard's play in college and implored the Panthers to draft Hubbard on draft day. Yeah, again, they thought they were just getting a backup, a, a change of pace back. You know, somebody who could play in an emergency if McCaffrey got hurt. I'm thinking preemptively. I haven't done my rankings yet. I usually do them on Tuesday. But I'm thinking Hubbard's probably going to be settled, I don't know, somewhere in the 14 to 20 range. You know, he's certainly not a running back one to me, but somebody who, unless you have an embarrassment of riches at the running back position, you're going to start him. And because it's obvious McCaffrey's going to miss multiple weeks. The problem is we just don't like to pay top dollar for this stuff. You know, it wasn't fun to pay top dollar for, or to, to offer top dollar for Eli Mitchell. And, you know, we, you know, we knew he was going to be hurt in a week and then not play in week three. But I, I don't, the idea is to already have Hubbard, right? Yeah. Is to have acquired him on draft day at a reasonable cost or, or just picked him up once you filled a couple of IR slots, uh, whether or not you had McCaffrey or not. This is what we do, right? I mean, it's kind of ghoulish, but we have backups on teams where what if the starter went down? Maybe this guy could come into something. So unless I'm really uh, just in a corner at running back, I'm not going to two-hand shove on on Hubbard. I may have a team that's desperate enough that may need to do it. I'd prefer not to be that guy. I want to buy at the bottom of the of the bucket and, and be judicious, try to find who could be next week's Hubbard. And again, a lot of it's a guessing game. We don't know who's going to get hurt. I mean, so much of this who gets hurt in the NFL is just randomness and flukiness and the way an ankle turns sometimes. I see why some. I feel like somebody in every league is going to be absolutely desperate and screwed at running yep. back, and they're going to be the people who two hand shove on Hubbard. I hope that's not me because I hate. I like to make proactive pickups. I don't like to make reactive pickups, and that's what I feel like Hubbard is. Yeah, but that's just the thing. There's going to be somebody who was obviously they were leaning on McCaffrey. Um, maybe they've had trouble filling in the the you know a, a, a Josh Jacob shaped hole in their roster or something like that. There's just going to be somebody. Who has to go? Most dirt. Yep. Yeah, who has to go close to close to fifty percent of available resources on him? So I I feel like that's going to happen, uh, no matter where we set the <laughs> the recommended offer. Uh, I I also feel like we're going to learn some things about that. Like the Panthers' next matchup is fun. It's Dallas. So we. We're probably going to learn, um, you know, exactly what that defense is because the defense has looked really good in a in a I don't I don't know if I want to say layup line of opponents, but I mean they got Houston without Tyrod Taylor. Um, it hasn't been, you know, it's been a relative cakewalk, um, and now we're going to see him against the, the Cowboys. And, yeah, the right. Jets they the Jets, the Jets haven't done anything right yet. Yeah, but they did exactly what you would expect a great defense to do against uh, against soft opponents, right? They've been they've been fantastic, and so we'll see what it looks like against Dallas. We're going to learn something there. We're going to learn something about Sam Darnold and the offense. Um, that is a 
not even a sneaky fun game for fantasy purposes. That is going to be a revealing game for fantasy purposes. Really looking forward to it. Now, as you were as you were describing the idea of getting, you know, getting Hubbard before we have to push all, all the chips in to get him. Um, I, I was thinking about at least one of the guys uh, that I also wanted to mention at running back. And keep in mind, we're recording this thing on Monday. The Monday night game hasn't happened. I don't know what's coming up yet exactly. It's going to be a fun one between Dallas and Philly. I feel like Kenneth Gainwell deserves a mention because, again, he's in he's in the role that a lot of us thought Boston Scott was perhaps going to have. He's getting, you know, he's, he's getting double digit touches early on. Miles Sanders a little bit dinged coming into the Monday night game. So I feel like Kenneth Gainwell is one of those guys who I believe is available in over 60 percent of Yahoo leagues right at this moment. You can just get him for free um, at some point this season. I have to believe there's going to be a rush for his services. So you can get him right now. Uh, well, perhaps you can't. Perhaps perhaps something happens on Monday night and he blows up. But uh, presumably right now you can get him at uh, at low cost. Other other guys I want to mention here. I you know, Peyton Barber had a day, had a million touches. Um, of course, they gave Kenyon Drake some money and uh, and the Raiders are, are giving the ball to Peyton Barber in the absence of Josh Jacobs. And then uh, Daryl Williams also in, in Kansas City saw a season high in terms of touches. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a little, little fumbly again, a little fumbly. Uh, it didn't really seem to cost him his role or anything like that, but Williams did see additional touches. I don't know. How do you feel about the rest of the running back pool? I give the Chiefs credit. And and by the way, um, you know, rest up Andy Reid. You know, we, we yeah. went around for a long time and we, we hope he's recovering well after the some of the physical issues he was dealing with Sunday. It was encouraging that Edwards Allaire was not immediately mothballed after that early fumble because he had the late fumble in the Baltimore game. Now, I think I believe that Baltimore fumble was his first lost fumble in his career. Yeah. So it's not like this is a guy who's just constantly putting the ball on the carpet. And by the way, just for fun, look at look at the way guys used to fumble in the old days. Like Eric Dickerson, Dickerson <laughs> Hall of Famer, was a you know, basically had a fumble in his pocket when he when he walked off the bus, but because he made hit so many home runs, we lived with it. And quarterbacks would, would throw picks like crazy. I mean, it was turnovers were like smoking. People just thought they were kind of cool and nobody was really <laughs> worried about them in the 70s and 80s. But it's a, it's a different game now. You, you fumble once, you're on probation. You fumble twice, you're at the risk of losing your gig. The Chiefs were, I think, very wise. Not that I, don't, I think Edward Solaire is, is a special player. I, I think he's just more of a good player who maybe was miscast as a first-round pick. But the last two weeks, they've taken Tyreek Ty Hill out of the equation so this is an offense that really needs the third pitch. And, and the fact that Daryl Williams played as much as he did in that game, uh, week three against the Chargers, that at least I, I was thinking that maybe before the season that Williams might not even be the, the second best back to own there, to roster there. I was hmm. thinking maybe yeah. McKinnon might have a role that hasn't happened. So Williams becomes interesting now if Edwards-Alaire fumbles again, if Edwards-Alaire gets hurt. And I think now's the time to kind of sneak in and name name your offer, name your proactive, you know, your uh, proactive sneaky price. Maybe even get him after waivers is run, right? He might just be sitting there. You get him for nothing. You have maybe an IR spot that's opened up or a player that you've, you've changed your opinion on in the last few days. I like him as a sneaky pickup to maybe be a week ahead of the swell. The thing with Gainwell, and I don't want to talk too much about him because the Monday game could change everything. Maybe yeah. Sanders goes crazy. Yep. Maybe Sanders gets hurt in the first quarter. Who knows? Is that's just going to always be a the upside's always going to be capped there because you have a quarterback who runs the ball and a quarterback who, when I say runs, like it, it, we're never surprised by any big rushing total in, in Jalen Hurts' column. I can tell you he ran for 130 yards, you'd believe it. Yep. He has that kind of rushing ability. I wouldn't say he's a Lamar Jackson, but he's probably as good as anybody else when it comes to doing that and he wants to do that. So even if Sanders were to get hurt, 
I would think Gainwell would, would still just be a medium running back two, maybe a lower running back two for me. He, he'd be somebody you'd probably play, but I, I don't feel, I, I wouldn't say like him as much as, as I do Hubbard right now. The Peyton Barber thing's hard for me to understand because when Jacobs is hurt, they paid the money to Drake. You would think, I, I wasn't surprised that Barber was going to have a role. I, I, I just thought that Drake would be the 70, the 75, the 65, whatever it was, and Barber would be the sprinkle in. And maybe it was just a case that Barber got the hot hand. And a lot, we're at a time now where 32 coaches in the league, or maybe 30 of them, they'll go with whatever's working. If somebody shows some burst who wasn't a starter, they don't care. They'll keep rolling with that. So maybe Barber just kind of fell into a rhythm. I'm not confident that that's going to continue. I think this could be easily the best game of the season that Peyton Barber has. Yeah. At some point, Jacobs will be back maybe this week. The thing that I was really wrong about in, I want to say, Oakland, but in Las Vegas, Derek Carr's a lot better than I thought. I thought Derek Carr was at, you know, league average, maybe an eyelash over that. Derek Carr's good. Yesterday, Darren Waller was marked fairly well. They didn't have Jacobs. And, and I know Miami is you know, kind of an ordinary team right now, and they weren't playing with their starting quarterback. But Derek Carr's done it against Baltimore. He's done it against Pittsburgh, and that's a defense we respect. Uh, he he did it yesterday against Miami. Derek Carr's a plus quarterback. Derek Carr, I think, could be maybe maybe he's really like kind of a Kirk Cousins quarterback. You know, not not going to be MVP of the league, but somebody who we all respect. Who we're never surprised if he throws for four hundred. We're never surprised if he carries his team to a win. Uh, that's I did not take the Vegas passing game. Well, we all wanted Waller. I, either you got him or you didn't. But Derek Carr in, in super flex or in deeper formats, I should have taken him more seriously. I was open to the idea of Henry Ruggs popping or Brian Edwards popping. I, I, you know, Hunter Renfro just having that 70-catch season that has a little bit of utility in bi-week season. I think all of those guys are more valuable today than I appreciated two or three weeks ago. Uh, I know this is the running back section. I'm, I'm trying to steer you away no, from No, it's actually Barber, a wonderful I, segue. <laughs> well, I, 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 am, I am a fan of proactively uh, getting involved in that Raiders passing game. I just It's not going to be through Peyton Barber. Yeah, I feel like I feel like for years, um, Derek Carr, like a typical season has three or four games where you're like, wow, that guy, that guy, when he gets on a heater, he can he can go like I, the Chiefs game last year was just marvelous. Um, I mean, in Kansas City, he's he's been terrific before in uh, in, you know, uh, almost isolated events. This is but as you mentioned, this is three games in a row against defenses that we respected coming into the season. You know, I would have gone so far as to say that Pittsburgh and, and Baltimore were outright like just stay away matchups for for Derek Carr. And he and he blew up like he's sitting on twelve hundred passing yards. We're three weeks in. I mean, that's a that's like a sixty. I don't know. I'm math in my head right now as we podcast. It's like a sixty eight hundred yard pace or so. That's like a crazy pace. Um so if this goes on for much longer, you know, it's it's going to be hard for him to avoid a 5000 yard season over 17 weeks. Um, it's just really fun. I don't I don't even know. And we, we can get into the wide receiver pickups right now because it's just a big batch of familiar names for me. These these I'll just throw out the guys that I mentioned. Uh, obviously, Emmanuel Sanders coming off a great day. In fact, there's two guys on the list who were just air yards kings coming into this week who who hadn't made a ton of noise and they were Emmanuel Sanders and Marquez Valdez Scantling and finally they both popped they both found the end zone Sanders twice 
Other guys on this list were Marquez Callaway, Tim Patrick, who just, we're going to name the list after him because he's always on it and you guys never add him. Fine. I get it. We're in a stare down. Sammy Watkins is here. Hunter Renfro is here. Finally found the the end zone for the Raiders. And he's just, he's five, six catches a week. He's he's basically, I don't know, is he Cole Beasley light? I don't know what to call him, but um, there's going to be a lot of catches here. AJ Green, uh, uh, obviously a good week for him, and then and then Deshaun Jackson. I don't I don't think any of us are trusting Deshaun Jackson, but in a deep league, in a flex, a wide receiver three, something like that, he's a guy who can be a week winner occasionally. Um, so we got we got at least one Raider we can talk about here. How are you feeling about this poll? Yeah, I like that. I don't know if this was the intended priority order, but I see Sanders listed here first. And what I like about them is Buffalo has made it clear: look, we're throwing forty passes off the bus. Yep. You know, we're going to throw to get a lead. We're going to throw when we have a lead. I didn't think, I was concerned that they, they played poorly against Pittsburgh and gave them a pass. Pittsburgh is good defense when healthy. I thought the win last week against Miami was misleading. They were under all their usual metrics. It's just the final score made it look like Buffalo was, was really back, but they weren't. But they absolutely woodshedded that Washington team. And, and by the way, I, we have a drop segment um, later. I'm not going to. You know, waste any more time talking about the Washington football team. I was totally wrong about that defense. Yeah, I thought that same. defense was going to be either very good or outstanding. And right now they are just a turnstile. Daniel Jones made him look really bad two weeks ago. And then um, Allen did whatever he wanted. Yeah, I mean, no shame when you you lose to the Bills, I guess. But And I will say, like, at the very least, that defensive line was supposed to be, like, a, a, should be a strength. Like, it's got some names, and they couldn't they couldn't get to Allen. No. Oh, Allen, I'm not sure they had to launder his shirt after this game. So... <laughs> Let's take, you know, I feel like with, with waiver pickups, it's, it's like sometimes you're looking at a, a big fish in a small pond. Sometimes you're looking at the smaller fish in the big pond. You know, Emmanuel Sanders will never be the best receiver on this team because that's always going to be Diggs. He may not be the most targeted receiver. I mean, Beasley had a day. And, you know, if you avoided, if you avoided all the sidebar stuff with Beasley, man, did you get an ADP bargain? Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, he's, he's really good. He's basically what, uh, Wes Walker and Julian Edelman used to be. I, I know that feels like a convenient comp, but that's what he does. He runs an option route and gets open on third down and catches a nine-yard pass. That's what Cole Beasley does, and, and Allen's very comfortable working with him. So I like getting a share of that offense. I, I like getting my hands on Sanders. As you said, MVS, it's just a win for the air yards model. He was wide open. Missed Rodgers missed him a few times in that Detroit game. He could have easily yep. had two touchdowns, and then that paid off. I mean, you if you roster MVS, you're playing him as a wide receiver three. You're playing him as a flex. Hopefully, you have consistent target grabbers ahead of him, knowing that at any game, MVS can have four targets or three targets and maybe one catch. That's always going to be his range of outcomes. But his blow-up game is going to be like he can have 150 yards and two touchdowns. The thing that distresses me about this list is that A.J. Green, who legitimately played well and belonged on it, Christian Kirk also played well is that I wanted to leave in Rondell Moore. And on one team where I had uh, I had Daniel Jones, I didn't need him. It's a super flex team. I was offered Jared Goff and Rondell Moore. And I thought, well, I guess this is a question of, do I think Rondell Moore is playable in a deep league as a wide receiver three? Last week, I felt yes. This week, I was like, I, I'm not even sure if I should drop him. I mean, he was hardly used in a game where Arizona threw the ball proactively and, and a lot of different people got involved. Uh, I don't trust Green going forward, but I'm afraid that he's going to get in the way of Rondell Moore which makes me sad. Uh, Tim Patrick's one of the top 40 to 45 receivers in fantasy. And in most leagues, that's rosterable. I don't know why we have to talk about him every week. 
I know he's not the most exciting player there. He doesn't have the greatest pedigree. Scott, I can't, I can't nudge him past like 22, 24% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Like I can't get him up above 25, no matter how much I write about him, no matter how much I talk about him, like 25 seems to be his ceiling. He's like all that's left. Um, Hamler's, Hamler's hurt, really unfortunate. Judy is hurt. I get that part of it is that if you play in one of the more simpler basic formats where you only start two receivers, Tim Patrick's never going to be in your life. Yeah. I get it. So there's probably a chunk of his roster percentage that th- those those managers very justly are not considering Tim Patrick. I can live with that. But if your league uses three receivers, if your league uses a flex, if you play in 12 or 14 team leagues, which I know you, know, you and I do, we're in one league with 20 teams for crying out loud. I wish I had Tim Patrick on all of those teams. I feel like it's like, let's play this game. Knowing that formats are different, that league constitutions are different. What should Tim Patrick's roster ownership be? I I think it should be like 50 to 60%. I really do. I think he should graduate. I think he's played well enough to graduate from this and the Tim Patrick room can be renamed something else, you know, the, the Hunter Renfro room or the MBS room or or whatever it is, the Sammy Watkins room. I'm not going to recommend Watkins. Nice catch, though. Man, do we see a couple of, a heck of a, just clutch plays for teams that came yeah. back to, to hit field goals. That throw that that Aaron Rodgers made to Devontae Adams, I, I can't even blame the Niners. People are like, how can you let Adams get that open? The, the first throw was really pretty good coverage, and Rodgers just threw an undefendable pass to yep. a world-class receiver. There's not much you can do about that. Tim Patrick deserves to graduate in this list. I think you should go after Sanders carefully. I didn't mention Callaway at all. I don't trust Jameis Winston. I think we saw what we saw in week three is going to happen every week. There's going to be Taysom Hill packages. And Winston's still, I think, just one or two interceptions away from like a halftime benching. I don't trust this team. It's a defensive-oriented team. It's a run-oriented team. Jameis has had some really low yardage totals. I think going. I don't after think he's, the, he hasn't hit 200 passing yards yet, right? Like I don't. I don't think he's had a game with 25 attempts. Yeah. So I, credit to Peyton because all coaches yeah. know you play to your talent and to your situation. You don't try to force feed. You try to make Jameis Winston the Drew Brees and say, "Oh, we're going to just play pinball all day." That would be a mistake. I don't think that would work. I, I think Peyton's done a great job. The week two blowout to the side. I don't trust chasing any volume in the New Orleans passing game. I think I think Callaway is uh, just an empty doorway for you. Um, let's hit, uh, let's hit tight end, uh, because I suppose we have to, it's one of the positions that you're starting. Um, uh, a couple, a couple guys here that I mentioned in the, in the column, Dawson Knox has found the end zone now in back-to-back weeks. Um, not huge target totals. In fact, I think two weeks ago, it was just like two targets, something like that. Tyler Conklin, all of a sudden heavily involved, uh, coming off an eight target game, found the end zone. And then, uh, shout out to Liz Loza for mentioning, Pat Freermuth on the uh, on Fantasy Football Live on Sunday morning. It certainly appears that Ben Roethlisberger is only interested in short range targets, that those are perhaps the only people that he can hit. Um, so the rookie found the end zone. That was something. I don't know how deep the league would have to be before I would actually consider him. Like, generally speaking, I don't think you want the fourth or fifth option in that particular passing game right now. But uh, but perhaps Tyler Conklin or Dawson Knox could be of interest to you. Yeah, Conklin's my guy here because the tree is still pretty narrow. Uh, we'll see some weeks they'll have a third receiver involved. Osborne didn't do much. Kirk Cousins, good quarterback. We don't know the status week to week of, of Dalvin Cook, which would maybe presumably you would think make them more throw heavy. Uh, to me, Conklin stands above these other two guys for, for what you're getting. You're hoping if you 
were to offer Conklin and get him, you're hoping you're getting somebody who settles into the tight end 10 to tight end 16 area where with an opportunity to sneak into the top 10 the weeks that he scores a touchdown. So maybe, I, I mean, I guess I feel like he's going to be like maybe 70 to 80% of what we thought Irv Smith was going to be, which was a useful, if not, you know, league winning type of player. I think Ty Conklin fits that profile very nicely. I also want to be very careful. Uh, we, we didn't mention any of the guys here and I'm not sure of, of their, roster tags at the moment but they're still playing phone book offense in cleveland where they throw to everybody they use multiple <laughs> tight ends they throw to two run they, they use two running backs i, I know a couple of weeks ago and joku looked good i know hooper had a touchdown last week this it's just going to be unless you can play whack-a-mole perfectly with who's going to be the right guy in cleveland i, I think those tight ends are just going to drive you crazy i actually would prefer conklin to anybody in cleveland even though i think hooper is a good player He's obviously been paid the big contract. The Knox thing a little bit fluky. There's so many people in front of him. All the receivers, we've, we've seen Moss get involved nicely the last two weeks. Allen's going to run in some touchdowns. He had, he had a touchdown Sunday. So I feel like Knox has less touchdown equity than two touchdowns in three weeks would, would lead you to believe. Uh, Conklin, to me, is the star of this group. Scott, I think you'll appreciate this. My, uh, my college-age daughter is playing in her first fantasy football league. Um, it's like, you know, she's part of a, she's part of the cross country team and the cross country team has what, what turned out to be an 18 team league, right? Like I stayed on a zoom call with her while she was drafting this team. Um, and, uh, about and Andy's a, available for Zoom calls when you draft, by the way, it's part of the premium. <laughs> I, I, not a service that I, I can't mention pricing members. on the air, but I'll just say that. Like so, nothing more. He would like nothing more than the draft with you for three hours. So keep that in mind. So she sends, she sends a text to me on Sunday, you know, middle of the afternoon. I'm trying to get a bunch of writing done. It's hectic. We're all watching football. I, I get a text from my daughter that, that simply says, tell me about this Dawson Knox. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, I, I got it's one of the most heartwarming messages I've ever had from her. Um, it was, <laughs> I was so I was so happy. I was so proud. Uh, it's it's stupid that I was as pleased as I was. But this this has been like just a wonderful ride watching her sort of learn the NFL on the fly and learning some of these players. She was also later complaining that Derrick Henry merely scored like 17.9 points for her instead of, you know, last week's 40 plus or whatever it was. So what a what a joy. Well, Derrick Henry, now that the new regime wants to throw him the ball. And, and look, we were never asking for Derrick Henry to catch 70 yeah. balls. We just want him to catch maybe 30 to 45 in a year. He's caught nine in the last two weeks. If we redrafted today, Derrick Henry, I think, would justifiably be the first pick. And what if I told you, Andy Behrens, that there was once a college football team that had Dawson Knox and had A.J. <laughs> Brown and had D.K. Metcalf and couldn't get out of their own way and pre- pretty much won like three to five games a year because their one, their quarterback play was horrible. And two, because SEC football is ridiculously stacked with the most unbelievable talent. Yeah. But hard to believe those three guys were, were all on the same offense at one point. Man, it, it really is. That's that's like a favorite game of mine to go through like certain SEC seasons. And you can you can point to that team, that LSU team that ended up facing Iowa. I was there, ended up facing yep. Iowa in the Outback Bowl that had like Zach Mettenberger and Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Jeremy Hill and Alfred Blue and and like Tredavious White. And like, it was just it was just a sick roster. talent all over the place. Made it so to the fun. Outback Bowl, Scott. You know, there's one point. I don't know how long he was there, but Alvin Kamara was was briefly at Alabama. So you had a running back room that had Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, um, Mark Ingram. I think they were all on the same team at one point. I I mean, the the conveyor belt, 
I really don't think Alabama recruits anymore. I think they just choose. Yeah, we want him and him <laughs> and him and him and him. Uh, just it's it's funny because when they first when Nick Saban first went there, they were a defense team that threw the ball only when they had to. They did not throw the ball proactively, and, and just to watch them shift into what they've become, you know, to see the the LSU teams, you, that team you mentioned that had all that talent, and, and then obviously the Joe Burrow team that, and, and we've learned. Um, you know, to anybody who rosters Hollywood Brown is frustrating. You know, take something, take some heart in what Jamar Chase just did, right? I mean, this yeah. guy could not catch anything all summer. And all he's every time I look up, Jamar Chase is behind somebody and catching a touchdown or making a big play. He's not even doing it with a lot of targets. And I think eventually they're just gonna have to say, hey, this guy needs 10 targets a week. Burrow's playing at a high level. Don't sweat the drop. Uh, play Hollywood Brown next week. I drops are one of the I care that my receiver can get open, can separate. I don't care so much that he can drop the ball. There's been plenty of, of good players in football who drop passes. Sometimes a pass can be too easy. You drop that one, and then you catch the one that requires um, the heavy. What, what was the story of Devonte Adams' rookie season? Right, like we like oh my we, God, we yeah. hung drops on that guy like crazy. Um, he was part of that like he's part of that 2014 rookie receiver class, and he was an afterthought for a little while, and now he's he's clearly the greatest. I've never been more wrong in a player. Although I'm sure somebody will probably have an example, maybe another <laughs> another really bad Pinowski miss, but. And to be fair, I think Devontae Adams legitimately did get better too and improved. But I was like, why are they? He had some of the worst double-digit target games in NFL history. You go, you can have a ball with Pro Football Reference and look at set your set like minimum of like fourteen yeah. targets with like a you know no more than like fifty yards. You'll see like Devontae Adams games, you know. It's good. And now it's just man, what a what a player he was and uh, he is, and he's turned out to be and um, a heroic performance against the Niners. I'm not sure if he should have come back in that game or not, but I mean, man, uh, what a football game a that finish. was. Yeah. You know, as we switched to quarterback, let me ask you, I, I see Darnold, Heineke, and Bridgewater, the guys listed. I did not think Jimmy Garoppolo uh, covered himself with glory in the Sunday night win, uh, loss, I should say, to Green Bay. Lance did come in, some goal line work, uh, had a very easy touchdown right before the half. The, the the narrative has always been well. What if the Niners get off to like a six and one or seven and one start? How are they going to pull Garoppolo? Well, they're two and one right now. They could have lost to the Eagles. They did lose to the Packers. When do you think it's time for maybe somebody to think? Okay, this Lance thing is coming. Uh, you when do you have an idea of when that timetable is and when in a league where maybe you only need one starter? Because look, he's, he's owned and he's rostered in super flex leagues. I get it. It's not a yeah. conversation we need to have, but. I'm excited about what Trey Lance can be. And I think he's going to start. I would say he's going to be a starter before Halloween. I know that's kind of a, a wide timeline, but I think the Garoppolo era is going to be over in a few weeks and it could be over as soon as the next game. Yeah, I got to say, I I thought that it might happen at halftime and and I could not have been alone in that, right? Like Lance came in and, and had the basically the walk-in touchdown um, right, right before half. Not, you know, not that he necessarily, we, we knew he could do that. Um, we know that he can be a part of, of sort of goal to go offense and be really good in it. I just feel like when you take him as early as you did, and this is almost like a, a preseason discussion, really, but like when you take him as early as you did and you give up the draft capital that you gave up, I, I just feel like the choice is made. You've already, you've already made the decision. I don't know how you can get to the end of this year with Jimmy still as your quarterback when... You also have the factor of like, I, I don't even have bad things to say about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I think Jimmy Garoppolo should be a starting quarterback in the NFL. 
he missed throws in the Super Bowl, and because of that, you you, you know you lost the game. Those are the, the it, there's not just one reason that you lose any single game or any or, or a Super Bowl or anything like that. But the guy missed throws in the Super Bowl, and you lost. Um, and that on top of the fact that they draft Trey Lance where they drafted him, and they they uh, sought him out as they did. I, I just think they got to get there and they got to get there pretty quickly. I, I, I think they have their bye week coming up. Um, is it in? I, I believe it's in October. And one easy path would be would be to use the bye week to get him ready and start him immediately after that. And so then we see him, you know, then we see him basically mid late October. Uh, is it the Colts game? I think it's the Colts game that comes up um, after their bye. That that seems like a reasonable spot to me. I do feel like they have to get there because the other thing is Lance didn't Lance didn't really play last year. So now now we're going to we're going to sit a kid for two years who's going to be the future of the quarterback position for a team that is ready to win. Like, you know, I feel like if if he's starting in October, then it is certainly not too late for him to be up to speed by the end of the season um, and for you to have constructed an offense around him by the end of the season. Because this, this is a team that has the talent just on offense. So like, forget the playmakers that they have on defense. They have the talent on offense to be to be a real threat to anyone um, and to make a deep postseason run. And you, you've got to get Lance ready for that, because I don't think Garoppolo is that guy. I think he's kind of uh, this is a sloppy comparison, but I think he just sort of goes into that, you know, prime Matt Shaw bucket where he can take you so far, but he can't get you. He can't get you over the finish line. I like the way you laid that out. Let's look at this. 442 yards of offense against Detroit. Detroit had a big say in that. They had 306 <laughs> yards of offense in the Philly game, which I, they easily could have lost. And they had 298 yards of offense in the Packer game. Okay. So it's Seattle this week. It's at Arizona in week five. And then, as you said, the Niners get their week six bye. Okay, so if they were to, say, split these next two games, unless Garoppolo plays out of his mind against Arizona, okay, you're probably three and two at that point, I would think. Use the bye week. Look for a home game at the Colts, which, which is a soft landing, and transition to the Lance era. I, I'm, I think you – I'd forgotten that the bye week came when it does – when it did. It, it comes perfectly because it – it gives you a break, and then you get an opponent you're going to be favored against at home. You don't. You're not yeah. asking Trey, Trey Lance to be Superman right away. So, as putting it out there, uh, Trey Lance is going to start Week Seven, October 24th, for a home game with the Indianapolis Colts, and all of the misguided things that Andy <laughs> Barron said on Fantasy Football Live last week about about Justin Fields are going to apply to Trey Lance. <laughs> so, act season to taste. Every league's different. Act accordingly and be ready for your Week Seven start. It's also, by the way, a um, a Sunday night game. So you'll get to watch it as an island game as well. Oh, you monster. I thought we were done with uh, Justin Fields. Um, let's let's hit some of these other quarterback names who I think I have, who I think have at least some uh, short-term utility. Uh, Lance is obviously not a guy you can plug in until you know he's going to start. Um, you mentioned him earlier. Sam Darnold, like, man, get yourself a dual-threat quarterback like Sam Darnold. He does, he's already got three rushing touchdowns, Scott. Um, like, that's just magical. Back-to-back 300-yard games. Not that 300 yards is any kind of, like, incredible barrier anymore. But back-to-back 300-yard games. He's playing well. Carolina's playing well, and they got Dallas uh, up next. So that's a friendly spot. I don't know what to tell people about Taylor Heineke because I I never think it looks great. Like, even the Giants game where he put up really gaudy numbers, um, I I thought he threw a bunch of balls that, you know, 25 years ago would have gotten receivers just absolutely knocked out of the game. Um, you know, really, really put some receivers in, in nasty positions. And still he finished that one with over 300 yards. 
he's the guy who gets to throw to McLaurin and Thomas and Antonio Gibson. And that just that just means a lot to me. And he's got Atlanta coming up. Atlanta obviously has allowed eight touchdown passes so far. Relatively friendly spot. And then even though like the the schedule ahead, I, I think hits a, a, a road bump. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater has been has been super impressive. Not like a high end fantasy score or anything like that. By the way. I took the Broncos in my survival pool in uh, uh, week three. Scott, I'm going to make it to October for the first time in a in a survivor league. I can't I, I can't even remember. I don't know that it's ever happened except for in leagues where you get like a mulligan week. I don't think I've ever made it to week four, at least not. I mean, I'm terrible at it. I I've had years where I get eliminated in week one in Thursday night. Like that's happened to me multiple times where I don't even make to Sunday of week one. Um and here I am making it to October. I'm thrilled. And Teddy is a big part of that. So um, those are my three names. Sort them out. Yeah, I remember, too, Darnold may be asked to throw the ball more with, with McCaffrey yeah. out. Although a big part of McCaffrey's game is always going to be the receiving. Darnold was set up. To, we, we all know the story here. He's set up to fail with the Adam Gase Jets. The, the Panthers have an embarrassment of skill, talent, riches, even without McCaffrey. I mean, they're so talented on offense that Robbie Anderson's you know, barely seen the ball the last two weeks. And it's really no big deal because they have other guys they can work with. So certainly approved Darnold against anybody, even as the schedule starts to get harder. You, you mentioned all the key points with Heineke. He's surrounded by such good talent. I mean, he yeah. threw a pass to Antonio Gibson that really was Gibson did all the heavy legwork on that play. And Heineke gets a 73-yard touchdown. Heineke's also willing to run uh i would say not just proactively but maybe even recklessly he had a touchdown run in that <laughs> buffalo game i mean he, he's trying he's just gonna leave it all on the field because he's hoping to make a case that whenever ryan fitzpatrick is ready to play again heineke wants to have that starting gig so he's not gonna he's playing with his hair on fire it, it won't be pretty at times but i mean unfortunately the, the big highlight for terry mclaurin in week three was a tackle he made after an interception <laughs> it's you know it's uh, I, I, it's a little disappointing to see a quiet game from McLaurin after he, he went, um, he's really productive in the Giants game. But, you know, Heineke's got to be 90% of Fitzpatrick, maybe even the full Fitzpatrick. And with that, you're going to get some mistakes, but also going to get a little bit of rushing equity. I think Darnold's the safest play here. Uh, I think Bridgewater doesn't have the ceiling that maybe the other guys do. Yeah. And with Heineke, you're going to just have to play the schedule. And at least you're taking Hart in. We like McLaurin. We like Gibson. McKissick's not a bad player. And Logan Thomas is a, probably a top seven or eight tight end. So uh, the WFT is surrounded by good pieces. And as I said, I thought the WFT will transition to drops. I thought the WFT defense was going to be fun, at least when their matchup was right. And they, you know, torched by the Giants, torched by the Bills. Uh, the WFT should be one of your drops. I'll give you another drop that actually has utility. Ronald Jones, still 70% rostered in Yahoo. Well, the better runner on this team is Fournette. And it looks like they want Gio Bernard to be a thing. Ten targets, nine catches, a touchdown. So there's the James White equivalent in Tampa Bay. He's in the, the Brady circle of trust. If Jones isn't a goal line back, if he's not the primary back, he's not the closer, he's not the pass catcher, I don't know what he is. You yeah. have my permission, not just to drop Ronald Jones, but drop, to, drop him without an applicable ad. You know, you can just drop him for the therapeutic <laughs> drop nature of it. Uh, Team um, culture, you know? yeah. Yep, yep, right, exactly. Look, I still like the Tampa Bay offense. And isn't that Patriot uh, Buccaneer game going to be a juicy one on Sunday night? But Ronald Jones right now, you could be the first or second running back on your team in the pecking order and still have value. Once we make the case that you're the third guy, you can't be held, even in deeper leagues. I think Jones has to go. Yeah, this might be obvious to people, but I'm going to 
I'm going I'm to give you full approval to drop uh, whichever 49ers running back you added this past week. And a lot of them got added like, I, you know, I every, every day I look at the look at the transaction trends tab at Yahoo and I, I look to see who the people are adding. And wow, were we adding some some odd names uh, among, uh, you know, 49ers flyers. Right. It was carry on Johnson. Uh, it, it was, it was Patrick. It was, it's quite a list. Carry on didn't make any noise at all. Trey Sermon wasn't good against, uh, against the Packers. Exactly. He didn't exactly pass the eye test, but I think Trey Sermon and Eli Mitchell are the only Niners backs that, uh, need to be on rosters right now. And if you, if you took that flyer on carry on, I would just let it go. Like carry on. What, what did you think of Sermon's play Sunday night? Oh, um, yeah. Like I, I get it with Mitchell now because I actually didn't think that Mitchell, played a particularly clean game in week one in relief of Mostert. But I like I get it. If that is what they were seeing from Sermon in in camp, um, I think I understand why he, why he wasn't necessarily the clear the clear number two uh, in, in week one. I thought he was I thought he was fine, moved a little bit slower than than I might like to have uh, th- than I might have thought um, off of uh, off of his best games uh, in, in college, like his best games in college to me were it was really wow stuff. And, and he looked like a guy for whom, and this is fine. This is fine as a rookie. Like people make big leaps into their second season all the time, but he looked like a guy for whom the, the game was really fast. That's a great, that's a great observation. And he looked indecisive. You know, when you're in college, especially at, at a factory like Ohio state, you're getting the ball and having a few steps to decide yeah. where the run's going. The, the, the offensive line has already given you the first two or three yards and the rest is on you. Where in the NFL, a lot of times you get to be committed to what you're doing before you even get to the line of scrimmage. There's just no time. Greg Cassell talks about four quarterbacks. They have to learn what open means in the NFL. And it's the same thing with running backs. They have to learn what a running lane looks like. And I don't think it's a coincidence that recent seasons, look at how many rookie running backs have hit the ground and really struggled early and then found their better footing in the end end of the year, right? Jonathan Taylor, I know the schedule was part of the story. But he went bonkers in the final third of 2020. And part of that is just figuring out how the speed of the game is different and how your running style has to adjust to account for that, which is why Sermon, I I would not be surprised if Trey Sermon is somebody who's smashing in the second half of the year. But right now he looked like a a player who didn't have confidence, who wasn't decisive, who, had, as you say, hadn't adjusted yet to the speed of the game. Yeah, another thing that you can do in college as a running back is you can really like you can really play for the big play fairly often uh, against a lot of defenses. And that's a that's a that's a sure way to stumble into a lot of no gains and uh, negative gains. Right. Like in yeah, the, in the have NFL. a negative five yard run and then get taken out of the game. Like, yeah. why are you bouncing that run that if, if all you have is two yards, get the two yards. Don't yes. dance make a lateral move and then get tackled by four guys. Yeah, exactly. That is going to do it for us for this episode. Uh, but we, of course, will keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can follow me at Andy Barons. Please follow Scott Pianowski at Scott underscore Pianowski uh, for fantasy news and analysis from the whole darn team. Make sure you're also following at Yahoo Fantasy. Uh, I know you're interested in other podcasts, especially NFL podcasts. Uh, is it too early to talk about the front runners for MVP in the NFL? Of course it is not. Check out You Pod to Win the Game, where Charles Robinson and Frank Schwab recapped all 14 of yesterday's games, talked a little about the early season MVP candidates. Find it and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Scott, 
Going to be back tomorrow with Frank Schwab for, man, Frank's everywhere, for betting preview, uh, for betting preview of week four in the NFL. And until then, we are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.